0: I'm Carlo. Carlo Pietro Sanfilippo. And this is my podcast. With this project, I want to explore the means, methods, tools and examples of living on purpose, living the life we want, doing the things that light us up, things that make us feel like we are alive, growing, making a difference and enjoying the process along the way. Welcome to It's the Journey. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to It's the Journey. If you're new and this is your first episode, welcome and thanks for joining me. Let's go through some updates. It's the Journey. I actually took a real journey this week. I got on a train for the first time since last February for a business trip for the first time since 2019 and went up and saw some some friends and family and clients up in Chicago. And it was it was a little weird at first, but it was fun. I had some great conversations. And it's all part of what I'm dubbing the 2021 Carlo Pietro Sanfilippo Farewell World Tour. I'm not leaving the world, but I am leaving my profession, which I talked about in episode... Twenty or twenty-one, whichever one of those was a solo episode, and yeah, this is not a podcast about that business, but the business is a part of my life, so that is what's happening, and it's all again, it's part because I got I got vaccinated, and that's been nice, getting to do stuff like that and have lunch with friends and coffee with friends, and um, you know, still still being safe, but hanging around people that are vaccinated and and getting out into the world again slowly, slowly, slowly has been wonderful. So hopefully that's happening for you. What else? I came back from that trip and opened up my email for my, my, my book stuff and podcast stuff and saw an email from an organization called the National Indie Excellence Award. Um. I don't know, company or whatever, I, I had applied for an award with them and for the category of personal growth. And actually, they applied to three, personal growth, memoir, and self-help. But I won for the category for personal growth, which I was super excited about. That's never, I've never won, I've never written a book before and never won an award. So I did that. And so it'll be super fun to see what happens. Uh, if you're new, uh, in addition to the podcast, I also wrote a book. Uh, the book is called Afterlife, Waking Up from My American Dream. And in that book, I wrote you know, somewhat of a memoir to talk about lessons I had learned after I'd gone through this dark period where you know a bunch of, bunch of things happened. And I took a step back and looked at my life and began restructuring it and rebuilding it to live on purpose. And the point of the podcast is to dive into similar things and similar journeys of other people's. Other people's other people, and today we're doing that with Julie Gill. So, Julie, I met through improv, and first time I ever saw her, she was up on stage with a group of people I didn't know any of them. I was a student at the improv shop, and there were they were on this team called Foxy Moron, and there was Tim Walsh and and, and uh, my 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 friend uh, Brandon Rice and. Julie and other people. I don't remember. I apologize. I apologize to anyone, to several people. I know I'm forgetting that we're on the team. But um, weeks or months later, I finally got to slowly start meeting all of them. And uh, Julie was super cool. And we immediately connected on fun things like integral theory and Ken Wilber and consciousness and growth and funny and laughter and silliness and stuff like that. So we got to know each other just the way the improv community works, where it's like, you know, you're just there and it's a house party and you run into this person, you chat with them for a while. And we always have fun conversations. So I'm excited to dive into that with her, especially around the context of this. um, She started a a school, uh, like a, a started off as a preschool, but it's expanded from there. And I want to dive into that. Like, what is that all about? And she's doing, doing some really neat things with kids. And I see it on social media. And if you know her, you probably see it too. But I'm curious, like, how do you just start a school? And why did she do that? And what is she trying to do? And what are the things that she's learning from that? And just pull things from that um, to celebrate her and what she's doing. And also just to give you another example of, of someone who saw a need, felt pulled to do something, and eventually did it. We are here for just a short little bit of time. And uh, if if you're feeling pulled to something, you're feeling curious about it, follow that. And here with Julie is another great example. So with all that, let's dive in and meet Julie Gill. Julie, welcome to It's the Journey.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, had, I had done an introduction right before this and just let everybody know that, you know, the, all the fun stuff that you're doing and what a cool person you are. And I know that you'll have some uh, interesting things to share with everybody. Uh, but uh, I wanted to dive into this, this new cool thing that you're doing the, the, uh, with the preschool. The uh, Juniper, Root Woodland Preschool. So, yeah. like, that's because like I see, I know I know just like a peripheral, outside view of what you're doing, and I see such cool things that you're doing with kids, and the I want I like I wish I was three, like all the other <laughs> the things that you're doing and playing, and and but the the from my outside view. And like what I know about you, and the cool things I see you doing with kids, it like it reminds me of some of the things I've had to relearn the last several years, as I kind of went through and passed my, you know, pain that I talk about in my book, and the things I I, I started to like learning to trust myself and just play again and have fun again. And the things that have come from that for me and my kids and my life. Um, And when I see someone like you doing that with with children, um, it reminded me of how often in life, some of the things I'm excited about now and having fun with now, every now and then I'll remember, you know what, this... This kind of, some of this was seeds that were planted by, you know, my aunt or my uncle or a teacher or a coach or something like that. So um, I just wanted to hit on like, I, I know just from the outside, it's cool seeing what you're doing and how the seeds that you're planting, which is cool. You also have like a, a tree as, as one of your things, but you're planting these seeds in children that of they may not even fully realize what that means for them till 20 or 30 or 40 years. So, Let's talk about your preschool and how you came to be the founder of a school, which is cool.
1: Yeah. So that's kind of like the highest praise I feel like is when adults come into the space and they're just like, this is what I want. This is what I, I wish that I had. That's sort of what we're trying to do is just create a space where you don't ever really lose that sense of play of just sort of diving into whatever interests you and digging in in dirt and playing with worms and and just sort of yeah, just making a space where that never really has to to go away. Mm-hmm. And, and so we're the name right now says preschool. We sort of started out with with younger kids, three to six years old. We're sort of slowly evolving into more of like a, a micro school because I don't think that the the philosophy that you have for for the younger kids really ever has to to change. Like yeah. we we are born curious and interested and in wanting to explore and manipulate our environment, and that only goes away if we're put in an environment that stifles it or that tells you that you shouldn't touch things and and make messes and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, and so what we're just trying to do is just keep that, keep that going as long as possible.
0: Okay. Um, so like where, where did, uh, so and so? That's, let's maybe talk, if you want to talk a little bit about like what, what you're doing at the school and then we talk about how you got there and that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. So what we're doing is we spend a huge amount of time outside. Uh, we have like a little wooded space that the kids can just kind of play and climb and explore in. And we're just facilitating them developing their own sense of following their passions and figuring out what sparks and keeps igniting their interest. And so we as the adults in this space, just sort of observe what they're doing and try to like give little little things that help them, Further that interest, or or build build on it more. Okay.
0: Um, have you ever read any biographies on uh, Leonardo da Vinci? I have not, but you...
1: it sounds super interesting.
0: <laughs> well, you would. I mean, it's that that's how he lived his life. Um, Walter Isaacson wrote one, and it's just like his whole life. He would get in trouble with patrons because, um, like. Uh, once, once he was, he was sort of sent to Milan to be, like, like as sort of like a, like a gift from the Medici's to the Duke of Milan as this, you know, famous artist that would make things for them, and, and so he was, uh, the the Duke of Milan asked him to make a big bronze horse to, to like show what a powerful leader he was, and so. Months and months and months went by, and Leonardo was just out in the fields drawing and studying horses, and then dissecting horses, and 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 and, and then uh, he just kept putting off doing it, and they thought he was procrastinating. But he just he would get into he would get interested in one thing, and that would lead to another thing, and another thing, and another thing, and then the same thing with light. He would want to understand why shadows worked, and so. He would just spend all this time studying light and shadows and whatever, and then the eyeball itself. And he started dissecting the eye and figure out a way to like, like boil an eyeball in uh, uh, a egg white, so that then it would have like a container that then he could dissect it without it like falling apart because they're fully liquid. It's so clever. So, yeah, so many <coughs> things. He discovered all kinds of amazing things that like he never like. A lot of people didn't because they were all just in these private notebooks. That sometimes it was centuries later. They're like, "Oh, Leonardo figured this out three hundred <laughs> years ago." Just <laughs> but just out of curiosity, just right. just and so it re, uh, it reminds me of like you know that's that's the environment you're creating for these kids, which is beautiful and awesome.
1: Yeah, that's. I think that sort of curiosity is in everybody inherently, and so if you never stop them from from going down all those little rabbit holes. Like who knows where it's it's going to take them. And they just are fueled by just this inherent passion mm-hmm. that isn't, they're not trying to impress anybody or they're not trying to get a get a certain grade on a test or anything. And so they they just pursue whatever wherever it takes them. And then that knowledge is it's so much, it has so much more depth and so much more meaning to them and they actually retain it that way too.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what was your, was your, was that your intention? Like when you went to school is like, you knew you wanted to go into education. <laughs> is that, was that your background or?
1: Um, so I, uh, spent about a semester in school studying education and in that semester none of it made any sense to me. Yeah, <laughs> Like all the ways that I was being taught how to help educate children were boring me. They weren't inspiring me to want to learn about them. And so that just didn't didn't sit right. And so I bounced around for a long time because I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. I knew that I loved learning. I loved helping children learn. Um, but I didn't know the route that I wanted to take because you know I'd been in the traditional education my whole life. Like I thought I had to go to college right after that and never really had time to explore what I really was interested in, or like how I learned and how other people learned. And so I just kind of graduated from college and had no idea what I wanted to do. <laughs> I think that happens to a lot of people because for sure. yeah.
0: Yeah,
1: you kind of jump through hoop after hoop after hoop and you don't really know why. And then you get to the end of it and nobody tells you what to do anymore. And it's <laughs> kind of terrifying. <laughs> like, yeah. We're not really prepared for anything that we actually deal with in life, I feel like.
0: No. Um. So you got out, and then, um, well, then, or the, so you realized you were frustrated with school, and so what? What from there? What was the path from there to then saying, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna start a school," and then also, you know, where where do you think it was in you that like gave you the? So many people have ideas for things like, ah, oh, someone ought to open up a. Whatever, some sandwich place over there, or whatever it might be. So, where, where, what was it in you that that was gave you the confidence of like, I can just do this. I can just make a school, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so after college, I drove around the country in and lived in my minivan for about three months, and so that was kind of that gave me doing time to life really life think about. Cool. I'm sorry, the van life. you were doing the yeah, van, van life the before
0: it was before it was uh, cool.
1: Yeah, I guess that was way before I was cool. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that gave me a chance to really kind of think about why I wanted to do things and what I was interested in and what helped me learn and why I wanted to learn things. And so I think that's kind of the, the first step is kind of examining the patterns in yourself of what you've been doing up until that point and why, and then why what's going to inspire you moving forward. And so I did that for a while, and that kind of helped connect, reconnect me with my own intrinsic motivation, my own passions. And then I bounced around again for a little while, and I was actually in my car driving out to California. I was going to go to an integral theory conference, and, which we've talked about a, a couple of times before. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mentioned that in um,
0: the intro too. So.
1: <laughs> oh, nice. Cool. But yeah, um, so I was driving out to California and I just kind of was asking myself, like, what would I want to do if I could do anything? So I was in kind of this really open space. I didn't really have anything planned out. And the answer I got was um, sort of create a community for families that weren't wanting to go through the traditional education system, basically. Yeah. And I had no idea what that was going to look like or how I was going to get there. And it wasn't even until like fairly recently that I was like, oh, that's actually happening. <laughs> now." Like I didn't like follow any path. I didn't even have that in mind for like a specific specific goal or route to take for a long time, but all of a sudden it was like, oh, wait, that actually, it was what, 2008 or so that I had that. And now it's 2021 and it, it happened somehow. (laughs) Right.
0: That's so cool. Now, um, do you think, I was, I was talking, I think it was like one of my guests I spoke with recently, uh, we were talking about how visual landscapes affect our our thinking. Mm -hmm. So did you ever, did that occur to you at all? Like when you're out, you're driving across the desert, you're driving in California. You you know, for me, like, especially growing up in Missouri, which you you did, you've been in Missouri your whole life, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. you don't see expanses the same way you do out West. We're always kind of in the woods. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which is great in its own, right? But then that, that big open space definitely lends itself to a different sort of thinking and a different, a whole different mindset.
0: Hmm. Um, so it's interesting you had, you that those happened while you were on this journey across the country and you're, you know, maybe in seeing these bigger spaces. And yeah, I know that always, that always impacts me when I, whether it's a big desert space or plane or the ocean, uh, it kind of, you literally feel your brain opening up a little bit mm-hmm. versus, yeah, again, you feel safe and in the woods, and that's always fun. But right. it's also cozy. fun, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to see the horizons.
1: Yeah, um, definitely.
0: Cool. Um, did you ever make? Was it a conscious connection at all for you when you're when you got into doing improv in sort of the same sense of fun and play that you um, are now doing, like with your school with the kids?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of. Of similarities in like improv philosophy and the, the educational philosophy because it's just sort of you want to support their ideas and you want to create a supportive community. And I was actually going through these the other day, kind of like realizing how much crossover there was. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's really interesting because it's just sort of different ways to... Help humans connect and sort of reach different potentials. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and 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 sometimes it's so simple. Like I remember in one of the first classes, uh, the for those of you who don't know, the founder uh, of the improv shop is Kevin McKernan, and he was teaching the class, and he was talking about like, remember when you were a kid and you know you had a matchbox car and you were just like driving it all over your leg and your body, and this whole story is happening while you're sitting you know, in the waiting room with your, with your parents for something. And you're, you're not bored because you're this, this story is happening with this toy. And he's like, just, just play, just, just, just get up there and play and have fun and see where it goes. And um, I, that was like, a, a, you know, I had gotten out of school at, at, you know, 21. And then I was a father by the time I was, you know, 24 and Building a career and house and all these things, so I I stayed in sort of that rigid mode for a lot longer than than um, than I really maybe wanted to or should have or whatever, however the, however life works. But it was it was later in my life that then I would like all of a sudden I find myself in this you know class where someone's like telling me this and I'm having all these memories of doing that. I'm like, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> I want, to do more. I want to do
1: more of that. <laughs> right. You know you know so much as a kid that you just forget or that you're you you do not have time to do anymore after after you get involved in, in school and life. Yeah. And so it's 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 a strange feeling to to come back to that or just to to learn from children too, like being surrounded by them constantly. Um, you watch them play together in a group and they they are just natural improvisers like they they're creating these storylines and they're they're making these characters and they're acting out like these sort of some of the times like really deep things that they're going through too you can see how they like will play coronavirus sort of things like that's their way of of processing it and it's it's really interesting to see
0: it is. Oh, well, yeah. And then, so, you know, you're creating an environment where as the adult or the one of the adults in the space, you're creating an environment that allows kids to just play and have fun, things like that. And I think that's important for people to understand is, you know, when you're an adult, um, you get to choose the people in your life. Sometimes that's hard. Sometimes mm-hmm. it takes work. But when I, when I started diving into improv again, I remember one, one time really specifically driving away from a class just feeling happy because I had gotten these notes about, about something I did that was just you know, I'm glad it's not video recorded because, you know, you know, some of the things you do on stage is just ridiculous. But it was, so, it was fun and the coach or whatever was gave me some positive notes and I was driving and I was feeling happy. And I just had this, like, realization of, like, again, that those are things I just would have done naturally as a kid. But at mm-hmm. some point, you know, um, either through, you know, editing you know, editing, I'm given air quotes that no one can see, uh, mm-hmm. that my, my parents would have given me. And then later in life, people in my life would have given me about, you know, why do you have to be so immature? Or why do you have to do this? Why do you have to do that? So then after a while, I just start editing myself. You know, we talk mm-hmm. about that, getting in my head. And so I was constantly editing myself of how I was supposed to act and be and show up in the world. And then when I, in my book, I told a whole, whole chapter about, uh, finding your tribe. And how a piece of that tribe for me was my, my improv friends of just this group of people that I could be silly with and have fun with. And, and, and they love me for it. And I love them for that. We supported each other and had fun and how, how important that is as adults to, to, we can choose, we can choose that tribe. Um, And, and, you know, when you're, you're, you're providing great a great space and of course the parents are choosing to put their kids in that so they're they're obviously probably aligned with that in a really cool way and you're providing this space for them throughout the day where they get to play and explore so that's what's i'm excited about that for for what you're doing and for humanity that that these kids hopefully won't find themselves in relationships where they're like, you're wasting your time or why do you have to be silly or you're immature or whatever it is.
1: Right, um, you so. have to be silly. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you have to be silly. But yeah, that's been one of the, the coolest parts of all of this is starting to see this community form of people that are already sort of in that similar brain space where they they want to to connect and in ways that maybe we've been told we're not supposed to, as as grownups, exactly. like we're not supposed to to play. And we're not supposed to run around and be silly, and and just finding people that don't believe that is yeah. is very supportive and very helpful.
0: I, well, absolutely, and, and just the the, the confidence. Because I mean, when 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 the the children that you're working with, they're 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 learning to trust. That was one of my first chapters: is trust yourself. And so they're learning to trust their stuff and trust their instincts. So they're getting positive reinforcement from that, and then that will unfold into other passions or curiosities that that they that they want to want to explore. But also, if they trust themselves, they're they're less likely to fall into a relationship that tells them not to trust themselves, whether yes, that's a exactly. significant other or friends, mm-hmm. things like that. So they'll you're you're providing a cool um, template for them for what's what again, I'll do my air quotes that no one can see what's normal <laughs> and acceptable. And if someone tells them, like, hey, you know, you shouldn't get dirty, like why why not? <laughs> <laughs> or what?
1: Or what? Yeah. You shouldn't climb that tree. That's another thing too, is they Yeah, building the trust in themselves. Like if you just create this space, like they naturally take risks, which can be kind of terrifying for grownups. You know, like we we are there. We're here to make sure kids stay safe and make sure they don't get hurt and that sort of thing. But if you allow them to continually take those risks as they get older and bigger, the risks just generally get a little bit bigger and bigger and they have this, they've developed their own risk assessment. And so they know how to keep themselves safe. And with that comes confidence that bleeds into everything else. And so Mm -hmm. they know they can climb up this far on the tree. And maybe last time they climbed up that far, they fell a little bit and they got a scratch, but that's okay because that's part of the process. And so they learn this time, they'll put their foot in a slightly different spot or they'll make sure they hold on and then... They know they can go a little bit higher and they have more confidence and then it just kind of builds on itself. I love that. Um, Did that, did you, because like I think about, I was thinking about that
0: in terms of what you're doing. I mean, because so many people, well, people have an idea about for something they want to do, whether it's, you know, try a class or play an instrument or learn a language or start a business or whatever it might be. So you did that. So was there something in the way you were raised that gave you the confidence to try something that I assume your family doesn't have like, there's not like a whole Gill family school tradition. Right. (laughs) Um,
1: So my dad has his own business. He runs a winery. And so at least I've seen some of what goes into creating your own thing, like being an entrepreneur and that sort of thing, and how it is like a, a lot of work. But if it's your passion, then it's it's not like terrible work. It's, it's work you enjoy doing, and so you want to do it. Mm-hmm. And I've been completely exhausted a lot the past year or so, but... Doesn't matter really. Like, I know that I really believe in what I'm doing. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's okay. And it feels like I'm going in a really positive direction. And so having that model definitely helps. Um, honestly, breaking my Achilles tendon about two years ago helped too, because I had, I had to relearn how to walk for the second time because I've broken both of my Achilles tendons in my life. Oh my gosh. So so I relearned how to walk the second time right before starting this school. And so that actually gave me the confidence because you have to like continually break through different barriers. It's like, well, I have to take one more step and hope that nothing snaps again. And so it's, it's kind of busting through all of these mental blocks that way. And so that helps kind of push me into something that may have been a little bit uncomfortable because uh-huh. i had to do it right before right before that
0: well that's just like a super like that's just a personal example of exactly what you're talking about the kids falling out of a tree mm-hmm. like as a parent like you all you want to do is protect your kids you know when they cry or where they're sick you it's hard it's terrible and you know, it heavy. is because you, know,
1: you feel everything they're feeling,
0: mm-hmm. and you as and their like, parent. When, when like, a, yeah, when they're when they're in, like, I can't take that away from you, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, but as a, and I struggle with this. Like as adult, I know the 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 worst things I've experienced and the deepest pains I've had were my biggest learning experiences,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and they were <clears> also throat> the throat> things that like in. Pushed me to do different things in my life. And you know that, but you yep. still hate to see.
1: Say- <laughs> <laughs> <Right. laughs> you can know things logically, but then seeing your child struggle and knowing that you could just step in and and take it away right then—it's—it's it's a constant challenge for for yourself to kind of step back if you know they're not in any like grave danger. Just letting them work through it and letting them fall. Falling is okay as long as it's not from a crazy height. For sure. But, well then but also yeah. Go ahead. No, it's okay.
0: Okay. Um sorry, like um not only them going through difficult times, but you know, I've I've been open and honest with my kids about struggles that I had and what I did. And let them know that that's part of life as well,
1: because sometimes
0: mm-hmm. kids get this image of of you as a superhuman, and then and then at some point they learn you're not, and they might go through this period where they're disappointed or whatever it is. But like also
1: mm-hmm.
0: knowing them, like, hey, you know, struggles are part of life. And uh, I give an example: if I, I went through this and I learned that, and. Um, you know, just just letting them like that's as part of our humanity, whether it's mm-hmm. them dealing with it or us as us as adults. And then I think that's those are all things we could do to provide like good examples. You know.
1: Yep, absolutely. You kind of have to model the things that you want your your child to learn, and that's something this school has definitely helped me. Um. I'm a recovering perfectionist. I had a friend who who phrased it that way one time. And I feel like that was a really nice way of yeah. <laughs> right? nice way of saying it because I don't think you ever can fully become a, not a perfectionist. Maybe you can, maybe I'm just not there yet. But it's <laughs> but it's definitely helped me like let go of perfectionism over and over and over again because it's very challenging to start a whole community and some days it's going to just look like total chaos and it's, <laughs> it's just just part of the process and you can't expect anything to be perfect when you combine a whole bunch of new children in a in setting and, and so just accepting that part has been very helpful for me and I know I'm modeling it for for Micah my my four-year-old, because he sees me every day, and he'll see me struggle on some days, and I'll talk to him about it. And so I feel like those are those are very useful lessons as well.
0: Uh huh. Let's like see and seeing how how the models of how we deal with stress and how we deal with difficulty and adversity and all that is it's that yes. that really um what you do was it who said that was Thoreau or Emerson that said you know what you're doing is I can't hear a word you're saying because I don't know. I forget how it's basically well, your, your, your actions, you know, are more important than your words. You know, what you do Fair. is more important than what you say. Um, I, I mean, it's not exactly the same example, but like one time when my kids were in grade school, uh, one of the other parents was, was asked me like, how do you get your kids to wear a bike helmet? And my kids never wear a helmet and they just won't do it. And I was literally on the bike with my helmet on. I'm like, because I wear it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And, do, and they're like, yeah, but I don't like to wear. I'm like, well, <laughs> okay. Well, there, there's your answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As a kid, I remember people cigarettes going, no, "You should never smoke, kid." You know?
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> don't ever start. Your actions are much louder than what you're saying.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so no, that's cool. Yeah, you mentioned uh, your Achilles tendon. Uh, that um, kind of the beginning of my. Some of the my big important lessons were like I I uh, I had hurt my knee doing yoga and I mm-hmm. tore my meniscus or whatever and um, I didn't it wasn't nearly what it sounds like uh, the Achilles tendon was but just just having just having a a slight you know impairment on what you can do really helps mm-hmm. reframe what it means to have a body.
1: For sure.
0: Um, so it's interesting hearing that that was part of, kind of part of your part of your lessons as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you're taken out of what you normally do, definitely you have to kind of reframe things and rethink things. Like I can't just get up and walk to the refrigerator right now, and and so it's uh, gives you a lot of time for reflection, if nothing else, and to to sort of. Yeah, just think
0: about what you're doing and, and why you're doing it. Uh-huh. Now, uh, I see one of the things I enjoy about your some of your social media stuff for your school is some of the quotes that you put up there from the children and the observations <laughs> they made and whatever. And it's just so, they're so pure and like wise, mm-hmm. you know, like because there's two things happening, you know, not only are they they just, they're still learning language right they're still mm-hmm. learning how to put it together and then they're also simultaneously that learning and observing the world
1: mm-hmm.
0: so it it it's sometimes such this beautiful pure wisdom that we don't see anymore because we're doing our things
1: right uh, it's yeah. it's poetry because they're just they're putting together words for the first time, and they're describing these things that they're experiencing for the first time, and so it's it's just beautiful the way that they see it, and then the way that they verbalize it too. Uh, it's so uh, interesting.
0: That could be an uh, interesting uh, book for you, just like you're just observations from children, because you're 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 mm-hmm. in a, you've got this laboratory of all this great, <laughs> this great yes,
1: laboratory is a good word for it. Constant experiments going on. (laughs)
0: Cool. Um, So do you have a, you said that, so the preschool is expanding. Is, Is there a, is there a vision that you're, that you are ready to share with like, like if you had a, if you had a, could do everything the way you want and where, like where you'd like to, you know, if five years from now, if everything was ideal, what would you like this to, to be?
1: Ideally, it would be sort of just like an entire community. Um, there'd be a space that I could rent out to artists and artisans and just grown-ups who were doing their own professions so there'd be kind of like different different rooms or workshops or whatever and then the school would be a part of that as well and so there'd be a space where the, the kids were doing their own work but then as they get older they could go and observe or shadow or apprentice people who are, out and living it and living and figuring out how to make their ideas exist out in the world. And so that's kind of a, a bigger long-term. Again, I had no idea that this would actually work when I originally thought it. So I might as well think this now and see see where it goes because that's, that's the ideal in my head. Um,
0: I love it. Before you have said the word apprentice, that's, the, that's what I was seeing in my head. Um, cause like the, the last, I don't know, 10 years, I've probably read 30 books on various artists and especially like, I've been really focused on this Renaissance period and Baroque period. And that's what so many, if they saw someone had an inclination for something, uh, sometimes children were, were set up with an apprentice at 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. And for years, they might just be grinding colors or preparing canvases or building frames or just very, but they were around, a, a, you know, Verrocchio or Leonardo or they're around right. the master and seeing them and, but in doing all these, you know, they they weren't memorizing, uh, you know, times tables you know they had right. to learn they had, they had to learn those as part of what they were doing and study um because yeah sometimes they look at well how did so and so do that when they were 22 was like cuz mm-hmm. they had already had 10 they already had a decade of of experience that you know right. like you said we come out of school at 21 and you don't know how you know you're 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 you get a job and you're, you're you're told you have to start managing your finances but you never had a finance class you know right <laughs> you know <laughs>
1: good luck <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. um you know yeah at 18 years old you were you were expected to make financial decisions about debt when you've never you don't understand even how that works um right so yeah I, this idea of like a community where kids are learning and seeing adults and and maybe they're not into you know the 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 person that's painting, but maybe it's woodworking or whatever. And and then they can learn right from people. That's.
1: Yeah. Like you learn things because you are, you're connected to them and you can understand why you're learning it and see the, see the purpose. Mm -hmm. And so if they're, they're seeing this person who's utilizing these things and they're interested in doing that thing, then they understand why they need to learn them. And they learn like that. Like, it's not like they have to like rote memorize all these tedious facts. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a practical, practical learning.
0: Well, it's, actually, it's, it's just like you said earlier, like, where, like you said, there's days when you're working and it's really hard and you're tired, but you're, it, you're, you're having fun with it. Um, right.
1: Because you can feel good about what you're creating and why you're creating it, and you're connected to that.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, it's it's a different, um, you know, with this with this project, with the 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 podcast and the book, I'm I'm you know I'm doing that in my evenings and weekends and things like that, and I've I've had some people ask you know well, how do you how do you have time for that? Or how do you have energy for that or whatever? And I'm like, well, it's I'm working with this a lot more than I had in a long time, but it doesn't feel like work because it's fun, you know? You're, right? It's you're, play. Yeah. It's
1: play. Yeah. <laughs> when you're yeah. playing, it's not you don't have a problem with doing hard things because it's yeah. playful. <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah. Just like, you know, as a kid, when you were like, you know, you were out outside for hours and hours and hours in July and August when it was hot and you just dumped the hose on your head and mm-hmm. <laughs> drink some sugar going. water. And kept going. <laughs> <All
1: right. laughs>
0: um, well, that, that's a beautiful thing. I, I keep thinking every now and then I, because I've been diving into this time period of the Renaissance, I think about the um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Medici family at all you know they <clears> were the, <throat> they were the Florentine bankers that um, probably you know, at one point Cosimo they they estimate he was the the richest person in all of Europe and but he used his wealth to uh, they were the ones that that sponsored Michelangelo and some of the other famous artists, and built churches and paint, commissioned paintings and things like that. And they they had built some built the first library in Europe since the fall of Rome. Like Cosimo built a library in Florence, and and it was like a place for him to collect works that people could use rather than just this private thing. Um, and I keep thinking about that for St. Louis. I'd be I would love it if you know not necessarily a rich person but if if we as a community could could have like a renaissance um that that opened people's minds and possibilities for what, yeah. we, what we could do and how we could live and you know just the city itself has these great bones of all these buildings and infrastructure that are just like it's like living in Rome in post post empire where you're like all like all these cool things that nobody knows how to do anymore you know right. uh, so yeah anyway i don't i don't know what you'll what i just i, I don't know why I, I was thinking about that was just like what you're doing is you know you're you're planting seeds in in humans that will spiral into some really cool things so that's going to be fun for you
1: yeah, you watch let's, let's
0: create a games. renaissance. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's not—it's—it's it's really cool too. It's like you're—you're not—you're an amazing parent, so you're doing this for your child, but mm-hmm. you're because of what you're creating, you're amplifying it to lots of people, and right. what a great way to spend a life. And I'm—I'm—I'm mean, I'm happy that you found that, and happy for the world that what you're doing exists. So. <laughs>
1: Thank you, thank you. I'm feeling pretty good about it these days, and it feels it feels good to be able to to share that because you kind of start with with your own space and you create that the way you want it, and then that feels pretty good, and so then it kind of expands out a little bit more, and, and hopefully it can kind of create create ripples.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, if uh, right now, what if if someone had little kids, like what are the where Where is Juniper Root and what do you have more space and how does someone find out about all that?
1: Uh, we are in Chesterfield right now. We operate out of the basement of Ivy Chapel Church. And so we kind of share the space with them. Um, we uh, have a, a website right now. Yes, I'm, it's uh, juniperpreschool.com. Okay. If you wanted to, to check it out there, we're on Facebook as well, Instagram, all those fun places.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Are you, are you taking
1: new students right now? We, I have a couple of slots left. So I okay. have, we're pretty small. My capacity right now is 20. Um, and so I have a couple of slots available, and hopefully I'll expand that in the future okay. to more kids.
0: And what's the age? What's the what's the age range for children?
1: I'm licensed right now from ages three to fifteen.
0: Three to fifteen. Okay. Three cool. to fifteen. Yeah. Um, well, cool. Well, I will. I uh, will make sure in the show notes. I put you know links to the all your spots, the website, Facebook, Instagram, and all that stuff, so people can find you. There might be Perfect. people that there's. I'm sure there's someone listening right now that's not even a parent yet. That's going. Man, that sounds cool. So three years Great. from now, four years from now, they'll be like, hey, Julie. It's time. <laughs> it's right. <laughs> Here's my child. <laughs> <laughs> so um, cool. Well, yeah, I just uh, thank you. I, I Thank you for sharing all this. I just, you're doing, you're doing, I I I've learned a lot. I didn't know exactly how everything was working. I've seen it from the outside and was impressed and, and excited about it. And if I had little kids, I figured out how to get them to your preschool. Um, and I, but I also wanted to just, you know, again, another example of like you, you, you saw this. And, and, and you saw this need and, and it's cool that it was something that you thought about years ago. And it mm-hmm. percolated and grew, and and now here it is. So that's I think that's an important reminder for people that your your dreams and ideas don't it doesn't have to be something you do tomorrow. Right. Um, you want to start taking action and moving in that direction. But sometimes you know you had this vision, and then I'm sure there were many many things in your life and people that helped get you to the space where you're ready to to do it. So
1: absolutely, I feel like I didn't mention any of that, but like there's been so many people that have been that have helped me along the way in this process and I've learned so much from from all different areas and I, there's no way this could happen without all the people in my life. Mm-hmm.
0: No that's absolutely true and then and then too you probably probably no matter what you're thinking about doing you never feel like you're you're if you keep waiting till you feel a hundred percent ready, you'll you're always keep waiting. So yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah.
1: There are plenty of days where I'm just like, oh, I have <laughs> no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> But then there are days when everything feels really great. So it's just Yeah, part of the process.
0: Exactly, and it's like sometimes you just have to dive in, and you just have to like just like what you're doing with your kids. You have to you have to try, and you try, and you fail, and then you learn something, and then you mm-hmm. then you don't do that again, and you
1: <laughs> Right, and failure isn't a bad thing. There's no big red X's you're gonna get. It's just. It's part of the learning process.
0: Exactly. It's like, it's, how you, it's, it's, it, and you know, like sometimes you tell yourself that when you go through, you're going through a tough spot and like, sometimes my brain is like, well, you know, you, you're really going to learn a lot from this Carla. <laughs> and
1: there's <laughs> another thing that's like, stop it. <laughs> Shut up. I don't want it. I don't want it anymore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, um, but yeah, no, it's cool. Just like, So like you're saying, like you're, 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 uh, you're Dad has a winery, you know, you're. Mm-hmm. You're providing just by what you're doing. You're providing a cool example for your your son of like, yeah, I'm running a school. You know, yeah. That's that's so it'll be. I'm excited. I'm excited for the seeds you're planting to not only for 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 your child but everybody else. And uh, you you're uh, yeah, you inspire me. So thank you.
1: Thank you so much. It's been really great talking with you.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, th- well, thanks for joining me. And like I said, I'll put I'll put um, all of the places people can reach out to you on the show notes. And if you've got kids or you know people and they're looking for something an interesting experience, check out Juniper Root Woodland Preschool. So, thank you Perfect. so much. Okay,
1: thank you. <laughs> all right,
0: all right. Thanks so much. Okay, bye bye.
1: Thank you. Bye bye. <laughs>
0: okay everybody that is a wrap for my episode with Julie Gill um, that was fun I, I love how much I learn about my friends and people that I know you know I know in this phase eventually I'm gonna run out of people I know maybe to do interviews with but at this phase I'm, I'm going with people I've known for various various lengths of time that um of course, you know you don't know everything about a person, and that's part of this. Part of what's been fun about this is the getting to dive into and, and hear some of the backstories about where people's inspiration or ideas came from for the fun things that I see them doing, so that it provides examples for the world of of people just saying yes to trying something and diving in, seeing a problem, seeing something they're maybe frustrated with themselves and and applying their unique gifts and skills and abilities to make a better world, to feel fulfilled, to help other people. Because, good golly, what else? What else is there? At the end of the day, you know. Um, so, with with Julie, it certainly was that. You know, hearing about this twenty-something-year-old Julie driving to California and thinking about ways to create a beautiful community. And this idea of children running around and learning and growing with adults and they're all doing things and learning and exploring and trying and failing and, and growing. Um, what What an amazing thing. So I really enjoyed that. I'm very grateful that Julie joined me and shared those stories with you all. I hope that you found something from that and maybe one day someone someone listening here will be like yeah that's how i found juniper and that's why my kids here and look at what it did for their life so or inspires you to go do something whatever that might be whatever it is keep thinking about that and just that's the fun thing too about this that i wanted to reinforce is like the things i'm diving into and exploring and trying some of them are things i've thought about for decades And they were just this little dream or thought or idea that I kept shoving back. In in the book, I talk about my shoebox. I kept putting it back in the shoebox and forgetting about it and putting it off till tomorrow. And someday, 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 and someday we'll be dead. You know, Um, there's something you want to do, figure it out, make a plan. Go get a, if you need help, find a financial planner, find a life coach, find somebody that can help you lay it out there and go, okay, I want to be. In here, and how do I how do I take steps and move in that direction? Um, I've been posting recently recently about how much I've enjoyed going back to the library and getting books there for free and utilizing their resources. This, you know, if you ever read, people that know me know how much I love history. Ben Franklin, when he was a young man, was always excited when someone new would move to Philadelphia because. He wanted to see what books they had because even then books were so rare and hard to come by. He was always excited when someone new moved to town to find out what books they might have. And eventually that led to him starting a library to to put all these people's book collections in one spot that everybody could benefit from that. And now we've got libraries. There's two that I can walk to from my house and they're always empty. They're empty. You know, people just good gosh, you know the, the information that's there that could open your mind to, to who knows what. So I don't know where I'm going with all this other than I'm grateful that Julie joined me, grateful for the story she shared. I'm super motivated and excited, and I hope you are too. I hope you will keep having fun. If you're liking this, please share it. I'm trying to grow my audience, as I always tell you. Share it, like it, tell people, get the word out there, um, and keep having fun. Be kind to yourself. Like Julie said, if you, you know, if you, if you if you fall fall off that tree, you'll learn something, and and you'll know how to do it better next time. So keep keep thinking about and listening to those things that are calling you, and and make a plan. Find experts. Find someone that's done it, and make plans. Take baby steps, and move in the direction of your dreams. And keep enjoying your journey. Thank you.